Hi, I'm Jenny Whitehead, and this is my podcast. With different guests, we will be discussing relationships, families, and how to grow and strengthen them. Hi, this week's episode um, might be a little bit more of a sensitive topic. We're going to be talking about honoring marital vows and um, fidelity within marriage. There's a few different things from um, some of the readings I've been reading this week that I really liked. So I'm just going to read one of them fast. And it's in um, my textbook and the chapter is chapter six, Honoring Marital Vows with Complete Fidelity by Scott Gardner and Christian Greener. And it says, a misconception in the world is that infidelity involves solely the commission of sexual acts outside of marriage. However, being completely faithful to one's spouse requires more than avoiding adultery. Um, And I love the idea of that. Very often, I think, in today's society, we get confused and caught up. And it doesn't even need to be in an adultery-type mindset. But even spending too much time on sports or Instagram or shopping and we can we can lose the true purpose and that we're supposed to be giving our attention and our support to our spouse. And, and so then it goes on to talk about the different types of infidelity. And this is going to be kind of hard to do in a podcast, but I'm going to try and talk it out as best as I can. So they kind of have a grid in the textbook. Um, So if you think along the top two categories about um, the type of involvement, so there's emotional and physical involvement, and then down the side, the types of attachment. So there's detached attachment, detached, and attached. So then if you go across from detached, you go attached emotional would be like fantasy, like fantasizing about your life with a supermodel or with that person you saw on the bus or with somebody you met online. And then if you go across detached physical, that's more of the visual um, things like pornography and, and and that kind of stuff, a little bit more of a physical, visual um, involvement. And then the next type of attachment is attached. And so if you have emotional attached, that's kind of a romantic relationship where where people call them emotional affairs, where there was never anything physical done. But there's talking or emailing, um, being emotionally intimate with somebody besides your spouse. And then there's physical attachment, um, which is more of a sexual um, infidelity. So those were kind of the different areas that was talked about. Um, And so we're going to have a few different guests this week talk about some things. Um, Some of them want to remain anonymous. So they have written out things that I will read and we can discuss. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about my opinion on what fantasy infidelity looks like. Um, And when I think of, so detached relationships I find there's the so there's the emotional and physical that's fantasy and visual and in my mind um boys usually fall more into the or men fall into the physical like the physical um visual pornography 
And women, I feel like, are almost more of the fantasy one where we read the books, the romance novels. Um, and for a lot of people, the fantasy, even within members of the our church, fantasy is not a big deal. It's not something that's usually considered. Um, when, when it can be a problem, there's a President Harold B. Lee sent uh, said a quote that said, um, a thought is the father of an act. No man ever committed murder who did not first become angry. No one ever committed adultery without preceding immoral thought. The thief did not steal except he first coveted that which was his neighbor's. And it quotes, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's from Proverbs 23, verse 7. So that that's kind of goes with the fantasy aspect of it where... Um, and maybe most people kind of start in that kind of box where it's a thought, a feeling of wanting to be better, or what if I was with that person, or what if I wasn't with the person I was with, with now. It starts as a thought. Nobody jumps into a huge, full-throttled affair, like just leaves the house and says, okay, I'm doing it. It usually starts as a small thought, which leads to an act. And so I really liked that quote from um, President Lee, and it's kind of a good it's kind of a good warning sign, like a yield sign. Like if you're heading into that fantasy, emotional detached area, thinking things about people who aren't your spouse, that is probably a good warning sign for you to put on the brakes and, and turn around. Um, so we'll be talking with um, somebody who, I don't know if victim is the right word, but who um, <clears throat> whose spouse was unfaithful to her. We'll be talking to a man who is in recovery um, from a pornography addiction. And then we'll be talking to a woman who um, kind of was, well, was in an, um, an emotional um, relationship with another man. And so we'll be kind of hearing their stories and um, learning about what they have to say. So I'm going to um, share this story of um, the woman who I know who kind of got caught up into an emotional affair. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite authors is Jane Austen, and Jane, I feel like, is a fairly nondescript name, so I will be calling her Jane. So after talking with her, um, she wanted to remain anonymous, so I'm going to kind of just tell her story and her thoughts and, and her feelings. Um, so it was a few years ago, um, she was a stay-at-home mom with young kids, and husband was gone and busy a lot. And kids were hard, and she felt very alone. Um, and not really worth anything. And um, which isn't, she says, isn't an excuse, but uh, that's how she was feeling. And um, ended up talking to an old boyfriend. And it first was nothing, honestly, nothing intentional or malicious, just talking to an old boyfriend. And after I realized it was kind of nice to talk to a boyfriend and somebody who was interested in her. And so they talked again and talked again and talked again and talked again and on the phone and in emails. Um, and it um, eventually turned into a point where if something exciting happened, she talked 
to old boyfriend or if something bad happened, she found comfort in the words of old boyfriend and started to kind of emotionally distance herself from husband. And again, was not intentional at, at first and almost wasn't even recognizable at first, but was a it's kind of like a slow slide down. Um, and then um, she kind of started to feel like she was in the wrong, but nobody likes to feel like they're in the wrong. And so she pushed those feelings aside and continued on her merry way of feeling like she was important and special in somebody else's life. Um, let's see here. And then, um, okay, so things kind of continued to progress. And after, I'm not, I don't remember how long she said it was, a couple of months, um, again, nothing physical ever happened. Um, old boyfriend mentioned, I will leave my wife and you leave your husband and we can be together. And she said it was at that point she realized what she had done and what she had been doing. And it was like a slap in the face to her. Um, and so she quickly um, said no thank you to ex-boyfriend and went to her bishop and then talked to her husband and tried to get things sorted out. Uh, but she was so surprised at how innocently it started and how how easy of a slope it was to the point where it happened before she even had realized it happened. And if she could go back, she would take all of the energy spent focusing on ex-boyfriend and if she would have spent it on her kids and husband, how how her life would have been different. Um, thankfully for her, luckily for her, her husband was um, kind and forgiving and they were able to work things out. And she says they are doing well and quite, quite strong. Um, but still to this day, it's something that she just is sick about. And um, she said that she works every day to try and let her husband know now that he is her priority and everything she does she does for him and for their family. And so I just thought it was such an interesting side to see how quickly and how simply things can start and how how slippery that slope is. I think there's a quote by um, C.S. Lewis in the screw type letters, and I can't remember the quote. Maybe I should have looked it up, but I just thought of this now about how how gently, if the slope is gentle, that we don't even notice, notice the slide going down. Okay, here I did find the quote. It says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Your, your affectionate uncle Screwtape. So it was from the Screwtape letters. Um, but just, yeah, how... Oh, when it's easy and gentle, we just get lulled into that sense of security. So again, it shows us how important it is to be dedicated and um, and honor those marriage vows in all aspects. It's not just not sleeping with somebody else. It's giving your full heart and soul to that person. My husband and I have a family friend. We're going to call him Jim. 
Um, and he agreed to kind of write um, a little blurb about his experience um, with um, one of the forms of infidelity, more of the visual infidelity. He had some um, pornography addiction and he's been in recovery for a few years. And so just kind of, um, he agreed to share his story with us. So I'm just gonna read what he has wrote. I was introduced to sex at a very young age and over the years, my childhood curiosity grew into an addiction that lasted 20 years. Though acting out with inappropriate images and related behavior waxed and waned over the years, I have come to realize in recovery, however present the dark passenger of lust was through it all. I now understand how it was an addiction to lust created, how it was an addiction to lust that created the foundation of my addictive behavior. In one of the 12 step recovery programs, lust is defined as an attitude demanding that natural Instinct sever unnatural desires. That again, because I don't think I read it very clearly. An attitude demanding that natural instinct sever unnatural desires. Lust was the vehicle to escape depression, anxiety, fear, insecurity, loneliness, and pain. By going to fantasy, images, or related inappropriate behavior, I could escape and feel some sense of acceptance and belonging without the risk, the associated risk of being rejected, judged, or overlooked. However, the guilt, isolation, and shame only grew as things progressed. I spoke to bishops, leaders, and my father, but things never got better. I guess I thought that was all it took. I didn't know what to do or what was required. I thought getting a girlfriend, going on a mission, getting married would solve things, but of course it didn't. I worked so hard to hide this shadow part of me and presented myself in such a way that no one would suspect I was struggling with such an issue. I was active in the church, had a strong testimony, and served in leadership positions. Eventually, I came to the conclusion that this is just the way I think and act, and I can't change it, that it was just my just my thorn in my flesh and will never be taken away. I was so desperate and afraid of being intimately known. I loved my wife. She was my everything. Looking back, I see a pattern of over-reliance on her, and she loved me. I thought we had a great relationship, and we did in many ways. Were and we were closely connected. If I only knew how much different it could be. My addiction and related shame led me to often be irritable, cranky, and unpredictable. I was not always a nice person to be around. I am very grateful that this addiction didn't escalate deeper and create even greater pain and trauma for my family than it did. After my last experience acting out, I came to realize that this addiction was not about stopping a certain behavior, although that is important. It was about lust, and the only way to move forward was to confront it no matter the cost. It has been a painful spiritual process that requires a higher power and a change of heart. For recovery to start taking place, I learned that it requires a couple working together with honesty, vulnerability, willingness, and forgiveness. Even though the addiction has nothing to do with my spouse, she has everything to do with my recovery. I can now choose to turn toward her and God when feeling difficult emotions. I can now choose each day to honor the uh, commitments I have made to complete fidelity. My connection and intimacy has grown and developed more than I could imagine. I am forever grateful for my wife's love and commitment. So that was um, the story that our friend shared. And I um, found it interesting that he shared the term complete fidelity, fidelity as well. And just how 
a lot of times we can think it's no big deal. Looking at an image is no big deal. Um, feeling an improper thought is no big deal. But they they add up and can destroy families and, and intimacy. And um, I appreciate him, his willingness to share that with me and with us. And I know it's it's a hard thing to share. Um, but I, I think as we get that kind of concept out there, it, it helps us to, to realize that it's something that can be overcome and something um, that is a problem and, and is a way of, of not having complete fidelity with your spouse. Um, and it's, like I said, it's something that can be worked on and overcome and and it sounds like it takes a lot of hard work and effort, but, but amazing things can come at the end. As he said, he's has a better relationship with his wife. And if I think both of you are willing to work on on it and give your all to your spouse, like, like it said, I think it was Elder Packer that said to put all of your time and effort into that, amazing things can come. So thank you for sharing that. I apologize. It's just a lot of me talking this week. I'm sorry. I kind of, as I listen to this, I feel like I have a grating voice. So I'm sorry. Next week, we'll hopefully have some guests who will actually talk to us instead of me just interviewing the guests and then telling their side of the story. But because this was kind of a more sensitive topic, um, I gave the option to just have me share their stories. And so that's what I've done. And so I'm going to talk about um, another friend of mine who um, is divorced. She's been separated for about seven years, divorced for five, and just kind of the, her story of how she got there. Um, so she'd been married for 12 years. And when um, she had said that she thought she had a good marriage, but there was kind of always an emotional disconnect. And she had found out later near the end of the marriage that um, her husband had struggled with pornography for a long time and through most of the marriage. And, and so she had wondered if um, if maybe that had been part of a bigger problem. But so she found out there was some pornography use. And then um, as she was a young mom staying home with kids and the husband was off at school, he um, went to school for many years. There was evidence of an emotional affair again was made um, public after the marriage was over. But during, she had questioned it many times and thought maybe she was crazy. And um, husband would deny that that there was um, a problem happening. But again, later when the marriage was over, suggests that there was an emotional affair and had talked about being together with this other woman he met at school. And then at the very end of the marriage, there ended up being um, a physical affair where he had gone online and found somebody to to get together with. Um, and so she had just talked about how she had wondered if they would have dealt with the pornography in the beginning, if it would have let, led to the emotional relationship and if they, even if they had dealt with the emotional relationship, if maybe the physical thing would have happened. And so that was, it was kind of a buildup. She said it wasn't just all of a sudden, yep, and decided to have this physical affair. And that's kind of what I had been wondering earlier 
in the week, how it's not just, they start with little thoughts. I feel like I've said that a lot, but it, it does, it starts small. It was a starting with pornography, moving on to emotional, and then moving on to a physical relationship. So then she talked a little bit about the trauma, the trauma that she um, has suffered because of that. Just because of all the lying and, and secrets, it's hard to uh, become, to stay the person that you were. And so she said that she feels like she's a whole new person now, whether that's good or bad. There was friends that she's lost and um, even struggles not necessarily struggles in the church, but it's knowing how to fit in to a family church when your family's falling apart around you. It's, it can be a tricky thing. Anyway, she's remarried now to a nice man and things are going well for her. But she says even now there's still, she's more controlling than she wants to be. She um, There's triggers even in her new relationship that has nothing to do with her new husband, but because of the trauma from her her past, she often is worried about who he's talking to or where he's going or who he's meeting. And she recognizes it's not necessarily fair, but it's just the trauma that she's had and where she kind of is right now. Um, she also talked a little bit about her children and the struggles that they've had with it and figuring out um a lot of times the kids want somebody to blame and whose fault it was. And for a long time, she didn't want to belittle their father or say mean things about them, about him. But at the same time, um, it was a lot of weight on her feeling like she had to keep it secret or what happened. And so recently she said her therapist and her have been working and was decided that she doesn't have to keep that secret. Well, she doesn't have to drag ex-husband's name through the mud, she is welcome to just tell the truth and that poor decisions were made and this is what happened. And she said, um, as she's had that conversation with one of her older daughters, it kind of, it bonded them a little bit more and brought them closer together. Um, which was, she said, a nice, a nice thing that happened from something so horrible. Um, so I guess as I was just thinking about all the different stories we've heard today, um, pornography, emotional, physical, and how they all relate and how we, I think it all starts again with the thoughts, with the emotional thinking of imagining us being with somebody else, doing something better, having a better life. I think so much of it can, can play down to, I think, I think we think we're not hurting anybody. There's no harm, like no harm, no foul. Um, it's just just a thought, but it can lead to so much more. And in the end, an emotional affair can hurt more than just you. There's your family, a physical and affair, pornography. They can all, a lot of times we think that it's just us that we're affecting, but it can, the ripple effects can be detrimental and, and life-changing for more than just this to you in the center. So it's it's a good warning sign, a good warning and a good reminder that we can, can stop before we begin and to realize who we are and what our problems are and then, then being able to talk about it with your spouse. And I think that's a key. If you feel these things or having these problems, talk to your bishop, talk to your spouse. Stop before it becomes too big of a issue. 
Anyway, so that's kind of our podcast this week, a little more sensitive and a lot of just me talking and rehashing stories, but hopefully everybody will kind of, I know I've learned a lot from hearing stories and just um, thinking about my own life and, and refocusing my efforts on my husband and being truly, I'm truly um, honoring my marital vows with him. Yeah, and I guess thanks for listening and we will talk to you all later.